0: Will you join me in the book of Luke? We'll be in chapter 20, going through verses 14 through 20. And this is the the story of the Last Supper. Thank you, Brittany. I think, hey, just a warning, it'll fall. Just a heads up. Trust me on that one. That joke's never gonna get old. If you're a guest among us, I'll knock this thing over. My very first Sunday here, and it weighs like 200 pounds. But It's beautiful. Luke chapter 20. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles, they reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until, the, until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks, and he said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink it I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and he gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after the supper was over and saying, this is the cup of the new covenant, my blood, which is poured out for you. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. I had this stool over here. I wasn't sure if I was gonna use it or not. I kind of feel like I... I just want to use it. I'm going to sit today, if that's all right, because um, we are beginning a new series today, a series we planned about six months ago, and this is a three-week series called Outward Invisible, Outward Invisible, and, and we'll get into more of why that is the case as we talk about sacraments over the next few weeks and the, holy, the holiness of communion and baptism and, and the other means of grace and such, but, but I just wanted to say before we begin, before we start the sermon, before we begin this new series, um, that this is just one of those weeks in life that, that are real and that are hard, and that even for us pastors who are supposed to have a sermon in our back pocket, sometimes you just don't want to get up here because you're not sure what to say. I've cried all week. I've been exhausted all week because of how much I love Robbins and how much as a church we loved Nell. And to see him go through these things, and to see, as you've probably seen family members and I have seen family members, it never gets easier. It's always hard because when you love somebody that deeply to lose them, it's unbearable. And we loved Nell and we continue to love Robbins. And so as I was... We were journeying through this week, us thinking, "What do I say on Sunday morning?" I know, as a as a pastor, you know, we, the kind of the idea is we'll have it all together, we'll have it all figured out, and you know, be kind of the strong presence. And and, and we do. We keep We we always want to be strength for the congregation. We always want to be light in the darkness. That's who God's called us to be. But we're also human, and so we too suffer. And I just hurt all week. And it has been heavy the four month journey that he has been on that they have been on to end so abruptly May 1st was supposed to be the come home day and in a way it was right just not how we expected we've said that all week and so we love them and we miss her And we thought about, you know, should we change things around this morning? Should we try and do something different? And we thought that um, it would be good for us to honor, the best way we could honor God and to honor them is to continue worshiping. So as I said at the beginning, uh, our our heart is heavy and we're doing things different and I'm playing my mic just like normal. Um. But we continue to worship the resurrected God and we continue to believe that God has resurrection for us. And so as we come before this table, I can't think of anything more holy or more appropriate to do today than to gather around the table of grace and to hold on to one another. Because we're a family. If you can't be honest with your family, who can you be honest with? If you don't feel love from one another, then what are we doing here? And so I pray that you feel loved this morning. If nothing else, just know that if you are hurting in whatever you're going through in life, you're not alone. This family loves you. If you are struggling because of something that you have done or experienced, something that has been done to you or you've experienced alongside someone, you're not alone. You are loved. And as we'll say in just a minute, this table is set for you this morning. It was set for you. And so let's turn our attention back to our text this morning as we discern a little bit about what it means to receive communion. You know, we do communion every week and as we are planning as a team, um, what should we talk about throughout 2019? The was time do we talk about why we do communion every week, what it is, and what is a sacrament? Because we call this a sacrament And there are lots of traditions about sacraments. I don't know what's going on here. That's on me. It's because it's tucked in. That's what it is. Sorry, Justin, on the live stream. That probably (laughs) popped. We believe that this is something holy and sacred that happens here, and we get that from this text, this Luke text we just read. And so this text is actually something we just approached during Holy Week, and that's why I thought it would be good for us to revisit it so soon thereafter for us to come back to it while it's fresh on our minds because this is right before Jesus' crucifixion. This scene we just read happens right before he's arrested and then tortured and then killed. What happens is they're having this meal, this Passover celebration that they've done year after year. Every year they celebrate Passover. And they do this because it's a way to remember what God has done for the Israelites, for the Hebrew people, by bringing them out of Egypt and into the Promised Land. And they believe that God will send a new Messiah one day that will restore them to that former state of reconciliation, of glory. And so they celebrate and they remember. And in that, um, they, they have this ritual, this ritual of, of the Passover meal. And there's a, a number of different things they eat. There's different cups of wine. There's prayers. There's song. It's, you know, there's a ritual that goes to it. You eat some food. You say a prayer. You drink a glass of wine. You eat some food, you sing some songs, you drink a glass of wine. It goes back and forth and back and forth. And then in the very end, uh, Jesus goes off script. What we read today is not normally part of the Passover meal, the Passover experience. What we read here today is Jesus doing something new. And so he takes the, the bread like normal. The people have been eating the bread, you know, just he takes what's normal, but he makes something new out of it. And he said, hey everybody, he gave thanks to God for that bread and he said, this is actually my body. And people are like, what? This is my body and it's broken for you. And then he takes the cup and he gives thanks to God and he said, this is my blood which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins, my blood of the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. And that new covenant language there is, is something that's very unique that I think we don't want to gloss over. The new covenant is what all this is all about. Our gathering, our belief, our, our reason for being. It's all about this new covenant. And Luke is the only one who has this language about new covenant. In, Matthew, in Mark it says that there's a, a blood that this, of the cup was poured out for you and for many Matthew tells us that the blood of the cup was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And even Paul says when he describes communion, do this in remembrance of me. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. But Luke says, this cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Game changer. Something is different. Because if you remember, there's a lot of covenants in the Bible. In the Old Testament, God is making covenants with the Israelites all the time. He made a covenant with Abraham that he'd be the father of a big nation. He made a covenant with Noah that he wouldn't flood the earth anymore. He made a covenant with David. He made covenants with different people. Yet the Israelites were not very good at keeping the covenants. They often rebelled. They broke the rules. They didn't hold up their end of the bargain. And so Jesus comes to earth. Jesus is born a baby. Jesus is God incarnate who comes to show us what it actually looks like to be a person who can keep the covenants of God. We often talk about Jesus came to die. Jesus did die. But Jesus also came to show us how to live, how to be in right relationship with God. And in so doing, he shows us this is what a perfect covenant-keeping relationship looks like. That's what the Gospels give us. Only the final portion of the Gospels are about the death and resurrection. The majority of the Gospels are about Jesus showing this is what the covenant actually means, this is what it looks like. Yet, even still, the people that refused to realize that the very people who couldn't keep a covenant were the ones who decided to do away with the one who could. There's a lot of feedback. Is that because I keep playing with it? I'm sorry. Having all sorts of technical issues along with like tear duct issues. I'm just telling you, right? It's a struggle bus of a day, friends. All right. And so he he, he said tells this people group he he's uh, he's this picture perfect of covenant keeping within the people and the people refuse to acknowledge that's the way of being that's the way we should act so instead they decide let's get rid of this guy he is messing things up he's he's establishing his own way of being and it's different than our own way of being so let's let's get rid of that guy and they do But right before they do, right before Jesus is arrested, he has this meal where he takes this ancient faith and out of it, he forms something new and alive and gives the people something to hold on to, some hope. And they didn't fully understand it yet, but eventually they would. And 2,000 years later, we'd still be remembering it. And it's this table right here where the bread and the wine, for us it's it's just grape juice, where we come together and we receive these things. But it's actually for us more than just a remembrance. It's more than just thinking back. We actually think something is happening at this table. We see that communion is what we call a means of grace. I'm gonna have some of these things on the, on the screen behind me here so that they really drive it home and, and I'll, I don't wanna say anything wrong. A means of grace. The sacraments are a means of grace. They are a way in which God is connecting to us. They are a way in which God is offering us grace. And there are lots of means of grace. There's lots of ways in which God is connecting with us. But we think that a sacrament is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. That's the definition of a sacrament, what it means to come to be baptized or to experience communion. It's an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. So, what does that mean? It means it's something you can see, it's something you can touch, something you can taste, something you can, with your senses, experience. But it is only an outward sign of something that's going on inside of you. We think when you come to this table and we do this communion thing, that there's actually something real happening. What we see is the eating and the drinking and the participation. But what we can't see is the transformation going on inside of you. The transformation that's going on inside of the life of our community we believe that the Holy Spirit is present with us and these elements. And so all sacraments are a means of grace, but not all means of grace are a sacrament. I'm not trying to be all wise on you, you know, trying to weird aphorisms, but this is an important distinction. We only have two sacraments in the Methodist Church: baptism and communion. We're gonna talk about baptism in two weeks. But there are countless ways that God Is moving in your life and offering you grace. Maybe it's when you read scripture, you experience God's grace. Maybe it is whenever you are um, listening to worship music and you experience God's grace. Maybe it is the kindness or encouragement of a friend or a loved one and you experience God's grace. That is a means by which God is offering you grace. But there are plenty of times where I've read the Bible i been very confused and not feeling very grace-filled. There's been plenty of times I listen to worship music and not experience, I don't recognize the grace. Maybe it's there, but I might not recognize it. We do think God's grace is offered new every day. God's grace is offered new every single day in all of these different ways. But here's what I believe, and here's what we as Methodists, as Wesleyans believe, that every time you come to this table, God's grace is always there. Every time... You receive these elements. The transforming power of Jesus Christ is happening inside of you because of your presence and your participation. You might not always feel God's grace out in the world, even though we know it's there, we know God's working. But every time you come to this table, you will experience the transforming power of God. And that's what makes it a sacrament. It's an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace that is always present. So every time we experience baptism, every time someone is baptized, God's grace works in their life, transformed their life, transformed your life when you were baptized. And every time that you come to this table, God's grace is there for you. And so what does that mean? What does it mean that God's grace is there for you? It means that when you are broken, like we have been, that God's comfort and God's peace is offered as part of God's grace, and it is here. Every time that you are lost on your journey, every time that you have taken a wrong turn in your spiritual directions, God's grace is right here, that you can come here no matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter what you've experienced, and be forgiven. Every time. Because here's the thing, friends. I might get grace in just five minutes here and then sin about an hour. I'm gonna need it again. And so are you. That doesn't mean we sin all willy-nilly like, oh, I'm good. I got my get out of hell free card. I got my grace today. It means that it's transforming us so that we can be sanctified, so that we can be more like Christ. And we come back here to remember who Christ was, what Christ did, who Christ is, and what that means for us. And so all of us are invited to this table of grace. One of my favorite things, probably my most favorite thing about being a United Methodist is that we recognize the fact, we say boldly, like I can't stop God from giving you grace and so everybody's welcome at our table. There's nothing I can do, even if I wanted to, which I don't, even if I wanted to to stop you from experiencing what God wants to do in your life. And so you are welcome here. And so when we do this each week, we do three things. At the end of my sermon, I always pray a prayer of confession. It's a prayer of pardon. It's an asking God to forgive all of us of our sins. I'm going to do that in just one second. I invite you to every time I pray that, say amen with me as a way of affirming that you too are a sinner seeking forgiveness. We come to this table with humble hearts. The second thing we do is we remember. Every time we do this, we do the great thanksgiving, which is the part where I lift up the bread, and we remember what Christ did. And then I pray a prayer, the fancy name for it's the epiclesis, I don't call it that, it's a prayer of consecration, where we just ask the Holy Spirit to be present with us and present with these elements. We don't think they actually transform into an actual body or blood. What we think, what we believe, is that God's grace and God's presence by the Holy Spirit is here, with us, and with these elements. And when we receive them, we are experiencing the grace of God in our lives. So will you pray with me and say boldly amen? Lord, forgive us for the times in which we have not heard the cry of the needy. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. Forgive us, we pray. Forgive us for joyful obedience that through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we might be redeemed. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I will invite those who are assisting me in communion to come forward at this time. Friends, on the night in which Jesus gave himself up for us, as we just read, he took bread he gave thanks to God for the bread he gave it to his disciples and said take eat this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me likewise when supper was over he took the cup and after